the story still seems far-fetched to me in parts, but I lived it in every detail. I wouldn't have even believed every detail myself if someone else had told me this story. So I honestly don't blame you if you don't feel this is real, but please just trust me when I say that it is. Five years ago when I was 15, a friend invited me over to her birthday party and sleepover. I had work right before her party, so I ended up missing a lot of the activities, and because of this, when I got there everyone decided that we should go to a park about a mile away. Keep in mind that it was already dark and had been pouring rain for the past few hours. We had a decent sized group, and I'll keep their names simple to help. There was E the birthday girl, S, R, M, L, and H, and myself. As we were walking and fucking around getting to the park, being the clumsy girl, I managed to kick the ground and put a decent sized gash in my big toe from a rock that was jutting out of the pavement. This will be important for later. A quick way out of the park to help later on in the story. The park has three hills. One that leads up to the road in civilization. One that cuts between the playground and the little outdoor theater. And the last hill leads towards the walking paths. The walking paths cross under a huge bridge in my hometown and connect with something we call the pipe. The pipe is a den for people to swap drugs and graffiti and it's where all the nearby rainwater goes back into the river. Once we got to the park, we had started chilling on the swings and playing tag. I had just met M&L that night, so I didn't know what to expect from them, but I wasn't that surprised when they hopped over a fence to ask the only two other people if they could bum a cigarette. L looked a bit older than the rest of us, so I wasn't surprised when he actually got one. The couple had seemed annoyed, and then quickly got up and left. We were now totally alone in the park. A little while had passed, and it was getting close to 11.30, so we figured we should make our way back to E's house once it hit 12. It was right at that moment that we had noticed a tall, broad-shouldered man walking very close by us, just on the other side of the fence that the playground has around it. He looked very shaggy, and his clothes seemed to be two sizes too big on him. Then H made the dumbest comment she probably could have thought of. Ooh, hi, druggie. And his head snapped toward us with a huge scowl. Instantly, everyone could feel the shift in the air and the tenseness that it created. Thankfully, he turned away from us and just began walking again. As soon as he passed the other end of the playground, S suggested that we leave now instead of midnight. We all agreed, but MNL seemed disappointed that we weren't going to stay until exactly midnight. As we started back towards E's house, we saw a flash of light pass over our group from behind us. We turned to look and see if it was an officer, since we were out past our town's curfew. But it wasn't. It was the same man from before, coming from the parking lot, now making his way straight towards us. As he was moving... We could see that he was now holding a trash bag with something in it, a flashlight in the same hand, and in the other was something long and silver. We started running, and instantly, the mix of blood from my injured toe and the soaking wet grass made my sandal extremely slippery. I was losing my footing, and we were running over the hill that leads to the pipe. 
We came to a stop to figure out what to do now that we were far away enough from the man that we couldn't see his flashlight. Ethan said, You guys saw that, right? He has a knife. Let's go to the pipe. We can hide in there. And everyone started nodding except for me. I didn't see the knife. Does he really have one? R asked, his voice being super shaky. And something to know about R is that he's had multiple surgeries due to some deformities in his hands and feet, so he can't run very fast. I've been listening to real horror stories for a long time, and thankfully it helped me to remain calm. I whispered, screamed, Are you guys fucking kidding me? That's dumb! Let's go up the hill where people are. We can scream for help if we need to. Once I said that, they all seemed to pause before R then spoke up. You're right, and I really just want to go back to E's house. L ended up suggesting that we scream at each other and then say, No, go to the pipe, in order to try and make the man think that we're going that way, when in reality, we would run straight up the hill in front of us to get to the road in nearby safety. Unfortunately, that plan didn't work. As we were running up the hill, we saw the flashlight shine on us from behind. We ran towards a gas station. Once we got inside, we all ran and hid around the shelves just in case the guy was looking into the windows. M went over and told the guy at the register what was happening, what the man looked like, and asked if we could just stay there for a few minutes until we didn't see the man anymore. The cashier said that was totally fine and he could call the police if we wanted, but M immediately replied with, no, we don't need to call them. This guy's just really creepy. SR and I were all in the same aisle at this point and said that M speaking for us was dumb. Yeah, we could have gotten in trouble for being out past curfew, but at least we won't get stabbed. We never did call the cops though. While we were waiting, I grabbed a couple of napkins and dried my sandals off and I took one of the napkins, wrapping it around my big toe to try and stop the still bleeding toe. After about 15 minutes, we finally didn't see the man anymore. We thanked the cashier and started back towards E's house. Not even a minute into the walking, I heard L half scream, What the fuck? He's back! And then L took off running. I looked behind me, and sure enough, there was the man. But he was no longer wearing the dirty white sweatshirt. He was now in a red hoodie. But I kid you not, it was the same guy, the same flashlight, and the same knife. R and I were towards the front of the group, but I was trying to stay with R as he can't run as fast as we can, and he was having a panic attack. Essen also slowed down and came back to help R. After a good three minutes of looking back while running, the man was suddenly gone. What the hell, guys? He's gone? I asked in a panic to the group. No one responded as we were all trying to run as fast as we could. Thankfully and finally, we got to E's house and then inside safely. We never saw the man after that point, but we were still on edge for the rest of that night. I'm very thankful that nothing actually happened to us and that we were all safe. I never did see M and L again after that night, and now I only talk to S and R. After that night, the group was just never really the same again, and I'm not sure why it turned out the way it did. 
Like I said at the beginning, if this didn't happen to me, I wouldn't even have believed it. But thank you regardless for listening to my story, and to everyone out there, stay safe. One night around 11 p.m., my buddy Sebastian and I decided to go for a walk around our neighborhood and up towards the railroad tracks to drink some beers and walk for a little bit. For context, the tracks run along the school and bus garage, and we usually exit at the bus garage and walk through the school back to his house. So a mile walk down the tracks and a mile back. I have walked these tracks a million times in high school because they lead towards my house, so I know them pretty well. As we got up there and walked after about 20 minutes, we had heard people laughing off to the right of the tracks off a trail, so we decided to check it out. It just ended up being Sebastian's younger brother and his friend smoking weed. We talked to them for about 10 minutes and went our separate ways. We pretty much walk around the whole tracks just drinking and talking about life. We were both addicts, with our main drug of choice being heroin, and we actually went to rehab together, and after rehab we would just walk and drink some beers, really reflecting on making it out of that life. When we were coming up towards the bus garage, and where we would usually get off the tracks and head towards his house, we look up and see four black silhouettes just standing across the tracks, almost like they're blocking something. At first, we thought they were just the big traffic cones or something along those lines. Something just didn't feel right though, because they were different sizes, and after looking long enough, they were way too tall and slender. We started to walk forward to get a better view, but we had both stopped right in our tracks when we saw them actually moving. What felt like minutes of us just standing at a standstill was probably like 30 seconds. They just started speed walking towards us in unison, so me and Sebastian jumped off the tracks over these bushes and ended up in the school's baseball field. They didn't follow us off the tracks, but we heard them walking back. Before anyone says anything, it couldn't have been his brother and friends, because there's no way they could have passed us without us hearing them. Plus, they aren't the type of kids to do that. And I really don't think it was some teenagers trying to scare us, because if anything, teenagers are going to jump out at you or make some type of noise. These people literally stood in a horizontal line dressed in all black, just waiting and watching us. Those same tracks are known to be haunted, and I've actually seen some other stuff that I feel like people want to believe me on, but honestly, it didn't feel paranormal. I think it was just some people doing some fucked up shit and didn't expect to see anyone on the tracks so late at night. Also, just to give you guys an update on me and Sebastian, we're both 100% sober now. I went to rehab for alcohol shortly after that incident, where I had to learn how to walk and talk again. And even then, I didn't get sober and went back to drugs. But at the time, my kid was starting to get old enough to remember. So I checked myself into rehab, and as of August 5th, 2023, I have four years sober. I now try and help recovering addicts get on their feet and let others that struggle know that there's always a way out. So to any addicts out there, know that you can do this, and you can get better. So this happened about 7 months ago. 
I was visiting San Diego for job interviews, and I was staying in my favorite hotel in Sorrento Mesa. For some background, I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm a pretty big guy. I'm 6 foot 1 and I'm a former strip club bouncer. Now onto the weirdness. Now on my third night, I was up pretty late after hanging out with some old friends after my interviews. I got back to the hotel around 2am with some Sunny's donuts. After eating a few, drinking a few more, and watching South Park post-COVID, I decided to have a smoke before going to bed. This made it now around 3am. So I go downstairs, and I walk out to the front of the smoking area by the fountain. But there's another couple who are also staying at the hotel already there. I didn't want to impose. So, I decided to just walk around the outside parts of the hotel while I smoked. I walked around the pool, then the barbecue area, then the basketball courts, and I then started back for the side door. As I did, a black sedan drove up alongside me and then stopped. The window rolled down, and a tiny Asian woman asked if I knew how to get out of the parking lot and back to the street. Now, from where she was when she asked me, this was literally in a straight line about 150 feet in front of her, so I thought she was just drunk or just blind. So I just politely said yes, just keep going straight, and then turn left at the tree. She then asked me if I could get in her car and show her. Now again, I'm a former strip club bouncer, and this woman looked very much like Walmart Alley Wong. There was absolutely no intimidation factor whatsoever. But for some reason, I instantly felt uneasy. Again, it was literally right in front of her. She could see the road. Also, the windows were all tinted far more than they should have been, and I honestly couldn't tell if anyone else was in the car. I used the smoking as an excuse not to get in the car. But she said she didn't mind, then gave me a very creepy smile. I politely declined, and again pointed out the road was literally right there, so I'd just be walking back in five seconds anyway. She once again asked if I would get in her car and show her. This was feeling like a weird kid slash ice cream truck situation. I mean guys, how often do decently good looking women just drive up to you and ask to get in their car at 3am at a hotel parking lot? How often does anyone ask a big bearded guy to just hop in the car under these circumstances? Nothing about this was right. Again, I politely declined as I finished my smoke, and was luckily already standing right at the hotel side door when all this started, so I just went inside. The woman just drove off as she rolled up the window, right exactly to the exit she asked me to show her to. So I told the front desk about it, and they said they'd keep an eye out, but I'm quite sure nothing was ever done or came of it. Just one of those things that really makes me wonder. What the hell does she want me in the car so badly for? A pretty man I'm not, so it had to be some kind of scam. I just wonder exactly just how much danger I was actually in. I guess I'll never know. This happened when I was in high school, and I had to be a sophomore. I'm now 31. To give you a little backstory, I lived with my mom and my dad and little five-year-old brother at the time, and it was in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom. 
It was approximately 900 square feet, so a very small home. I'm located in Las Vegas, and there's actually a casino within walking distance to the house. At this time, it was during the time my dad wasn't working, so my mom would love going to the casino and trying her luck to win a few bucks, and that's actually how we were able to pay our bills and etc. One night, my mom walked to the casino, and she said she would call me when she was going to be leaving the casino so I can be on the lookout to unlock the kitchen door. She had left as soon as the sun went down and would get back home really late. On this day, she had left as usual, and I was up babysitting my little brother at the time and watching some TV, playing with my little brother while my dad did some chores around the house. Once it was time to go to bed, I called my mom, but I got no answer. Her phone had died, so I didn't think much of it. I simply told myself that once my mom gets home, she can knock, and then I can get up just in case my dad doesn't hear her knocking on the door. I had gotten ready for bed with my little brother, and my dad had fell asleep in the living room while watching TV, and I made sure to turn off the TV and didn't bother waking him up since he looked really comfortable, and I didn't want to interrupt him while in his sleep. But I did make sure to leave the kitchen light on located on the big vent on top of the stove just to have some light when my mom got back home. Now, since the house is pretty small, the kitchen is located right next to the living room and we never came through the main door. We always keep it locked, so it's common for us to come in through the side kitchen door. So my mom had gotten home at around 2 a.m. and I heard her come in my room to check if we were sleeping and I heard her say, I'm home, and I was still kind of half asleep at this point. So she started to heat up some food that she had cooked earlier that day, and she sat down in the kitchen. And as she later told me the story, she said that she had felt a bit off, like something just wasn't right. That or she was having a really bad feeling, as she described it. And I also want to mention that we have a really large window in our kitchen facing our backyard, and at the time, we didn't have any dogs like we usually tend to have. So my mom then mentioned that she was able to catch a glimpse of a really dark figure that had slowly moved in the backyard. But as she tried to focus on it and see if she saw anything else, she thought it was just her imagination and then decided to get up and clean up after herself before going to bed. She said that she was feeling very uncomfortable while she was in bed. Mind you, my dad was still sleeping in the room, and at the time, I always slept with the door open. She said that she all of a sudden noticed in the hallway the bathroom light turned on and off, and she automatically thought that it was my dad getting up to use the bathroom. Well, as she got up slowly from her bed, she noticed an all-black figure walking in my room as I was sleeping with my little brother. She then ran towards our room and turned on the hallway light, Confused as she turned on the light, she then locked eyes with a strange man and started to yell after my dad, and as my dad was waking up from the couch on the sofa, the man grabbed my mom, and she was now fighting the man. My dad got up so fast and then tackled the man down in the living room. At this time, the man was now trying to get away and then escape through the kitchen. I then ran out of my room to see what was going on. As I woke up in fear, I had seen my dad giving the stranger a headlock, and mind you, my dad is maybe 140 pounds soaking wet, so he's much smaller bill compared to the strange man, 
so we all started trying to help my dad as we started to fight the stranger as he was trying to escape. My dad started to punch the man as he was now finally able to secure him while he was on top of him, and we were somehow able to put the man face down, grabbing his hands and asking him questions, but he didn't respond to any of our questions. My dad then started repeatedly to beat the shit out of him. I had to remind my dad to please stop and we had to let the cops handle this. We didn't want to kill this guy. We didn't even know if he had any weapons. My mom then rushed to call the cops. My mom didn't know very good English, but she was trying her best to tell the operator that there was someone in our house. That's when she then handed me the phone to give the dispatcher our address. Within a few moments, I was so relieved to see cops, sirens, and lights and about six officers come in. They were very confused about what had taken place since they had arrived and seen my dad beating the shit out of the man. We had the man on the floor, making sure that he didn't escape. My mom was also ready with a baseball bat just in case the man got up. Half of the officers quickly grabbed the man and put him in the police car, while the other half were asking our side of the story. I couldn't help but notice the man in the back of the cop car giving the most craziest look, and he wouldn't take his eyes off of me. It was a stare that had me petrified and frozen in place. The cop pulled my dad and mom and I to the side, and he said we were really lucky to have caught the guy, and to not have gotten stabbed by him since he looked so out of it on drugs, and that they found a knife in his pocket. Thank God he wasn't able to get to it before my dad grabbed onto him while they were fighting. And thank God that after going to court and giving our witness statements on the stand, the man was given 10 years in prison. So please everyone, make sure to lock all your doors at night, and please stay safe. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember... To always.